0: Good morning. Happy Resurrection Day. He's alive. He is risen. Some of you don't know what we're doing. Okay. He is risen, and then you say, He is risen indeed. Ready? He is risen. He is risen Woo! That's the way uh, in, the early, in the earliest days of Christianity, after Jesus died, you know, the Christians were being persecuted, and that was the way that they could greet one another and not be outed was, he is risen. And then if the other person said, he is risen indeed, that meant they're another believer. So, a little history lesson for you there. Also, another history lesson, happy April Fool's Day. <laughs> How many of you have, have had someone prank you today? Oh, you're such a nice crowd. <laughs> How many of you have, have pranked someone already? Oh yeah, yeah. So I, I think I was pretty stressed uh, this morning. <clears throat> I had a dream last night that I went, How, were, did any of you come to the Seder on Friday night? We had a Passover Seder. Wasn't that amazing? Oh my gosh, Ira did such a great job. Um, he actually went back to Minnesota. His son played in a national hockey tournament and I'm from Minnesota and um, we have this, It's a, it's kind of like a potato tortilla, you know, it's made out of potatoes, and then you spread butter on it and brown sugar and um, or white sugar or powdered sugar, whatever you like, and then you roll it up. It's super healthy. And um, <laughs> and uh, so Ira came back, and, and he said, hey, I brought you something from Minnesota. And I said, awesome, if it's Lefsa, I'm going to be super excited. And he goes, well, if I knew what Lefsa was, that's what I would have brought you. <laughs> so, anyway, we had a Seder here the other night, and they serve this little... Um, horseradish, which I don't know if you eat, if you're sushi eaters, but the fake wasabi is made with horseradish to clean out your sinuses. And so you can take it in little small doses. Well, in my dream last night, someone had replaced uh, my toothpaste with someone, David Kligman had replaced my <laughs> toothpaste with horseradish. <laughs> and so I rebuked him. Uh, but yeah, that was a stressful dream. That was a 10th stream. <laughs> so anyway, April Fools. It's uh, it's crazy. They they celebrated in a lot of countries, and the origins of it apparently were when they went from the Julian calendar to the Gregorian uh, calendar. Uh, the celebration used to be April first. That used to be New Year's Day. Well, then when they went to the Gregorian calendar, then. New Year's Day was was January 1st. Well, this is before the days where you could tweet things. <laughs> and so this is like, it's, it's in question what year exactly it was. Some say it was in 1700, some say it was in 1582. But anyway, that doesn't matter. It was before any of us were born, or most of us. Um, and so, <laughs> um, <clears throat> but anyway, so... Uh, the people that didn't realize that they had switched it to January 1st would still continue to celebrate. And so they were called the April Fools or the April Fish. In France, they would call them the April Fish because they said that they were gullible and easy to catch. And so they had a tradition in France. This is so gross. So they would take a piece of fish, cover it in chocolate and give it to what they called the April Fish. So that was like their April Fool's prank. So um, <clears throat> so I wanted to start out with just a couple of, of really famous April Fool's pranks, um, kind of nationally known April Fool's pranks. There was one NPR posted uh, on Facebook. It was an article entitled, Why Doesn't America Read Anymore? And if you clicked on the link to actually read it, it would say, congratulations, you're a real reader. Now, go and like this, this post, but don't comment. So they said that there were so many people that would go in there and they would all, they'd start all these comments on how America's becoming so stupid and everything, which clearly meant that they hadn't even read the article. So kind of, April Fool's. So another one was in 1992, Taco Bell claimed to have purchased the Liberty Bell, calling it the Taco Liberty Bell. <laughs> people were really upset about that. April Fool's. Um, in a 1980... On the BBC, uh, they announced that Big Ben was going digital. <laughs> and the Brits were most offended. Um, they, and on NPR, they announced, uh, Richard Nixon announced that he was running for president 20 years after he was impeached. Later on, a, a comedian, and Im- impersonator, confess that he actually had gone on NPR and made this announcement. So, April Fool. Um, in 1998, Burger King created the left-handed Whopper. <laughs> they, what they did was they rotated the condiments 180 degrees. So, <laughs> all the left-handed people were super happy. Um, in 2009, they did what was called Rick Rolling. Um, all of the home pages for the video... All of the pages went to Rick Astley's song, Never Gonna Give You Up. Never Gonna Give You Up. Sing with me, Let You. Okay, anyway. (laughs) That's called Rick Rolling. Um, Okay, there's there's a website called The Knot. And they helped couples plan their wedding. So they would gather all of their information and, you know, help them resource their, their wedding. Well, they sent out, you can't read it, it's too small, but essentially what it says is that we had a party last night and partied a little too hard, spilled champagne all over our hard drives, and we have lost all of your information. <laughs> Can you imagine a, a married or a couple who's engaged trying to plan their wedding? Oh, Sorry. Lost all your information, April Fool. Um, In Australia, they they announced that they were coming up with a bacon wrap, (laughs) which I'm all for. I I think that'd be really good. Roll up your hot dogs and your filet mignon. Uh, My favorite of all time, though, is Quilted Northern created created what is called the U-sit. This tracks all of your trips to the bathroom, including, this is in quotes, including frequency, duration, and exertion levels. <laughs> so if you have a spare three minutes today and you want to watch a very funny video on YouTube, um, it's, it's really, really clever. But anyway, April Fool. Um, so I just want to say be nice because people get really upset about some of these things. Um, I did hear somebody today said that that uh, their son was trying to be funny and put saran wrap over the coffee maker. And so when the coffee kind of went all over the floor, five in the morning, imagine that. So anyway, but, you know, I think it it was in 1956 was the last time that April Fool's Day was on a Sunday. So I won't bother you with any of these jokes anytime soon. But I want to say today, for those of us who believe that that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins and is resurrected, this is a happy day. This is a super happy day. And that is what we're celebrating. And so um, I, know, I know that there are people that, that come to church on Easter because it's Easter. And so I, I want you to know you are totally welcome here and we love you. As a matter of fact, we have some special refreshments out um, in the little area Foyer, I don't know what it's called. Anyway, you can go get food. Um, and we want you to know that we are so happy that you're here, and we're here 52 Sundays a year. <laughs> I don't know if you know that, but, but we are. <clears throat> and so um, we just want to welcome you. Uh, if, you're, if you're a guest here, you are loved, and we're so happy that you're here. Um, you know, throughout the years, uh, I've noticed that there are like five different kinds of Christians. There are Christians who are Christians in name only. You know, they, they, they call themselves followers of Jesus, but nothing changed in their lives. I mean, maybe some of those are the ones who think they're Christians because they're Americans. Um, <clears throat> they are what Jesus refers to as, as perhaps the goats, where he says, you know, there's going to be the sheep and the goats, and the goats are going to be like, I did all these things in your name, but, you know, Jesus, I didn't even know you. Um, and then there are also the cultural Christians or social Christians. Um, there's a lot more of these in the Bible Belt. Um, but you know, they they go to church religiously, and they you know they are um, they're cultural. It's more of a cultural thing. It's not really a lifestyle change. They they pay their dues and go to church on Sunday, and then their and then their lives are just totally unchanged. Then there are the the Probably the hardest to like. Um, these are the legalistic Christians. These are the judgmental ones. These are the ones who look down their noses at other people and judge other people. And you know, they kind of have a. They're kind of like the the story of. There's a, a publican, and he's standing there, and he's like, "I do all kinds of great things for you, Lord. I'm pretty amazing." As opposed to the guy who. Is on his face weeping before the Lord, you know, saying, I'm not worthy, I'm a sinner. And Jesus says, This is the guy who gets it. This other guy doesn't get it. The legalist doesn't get it. Um, then there are the, the carnal ones. Some people call us the gracers. I'm not, I hope I'm not one of these, but they're, they're people that they think, Oh, well, Jesus died for my sins, so I can just go ahead and sin and do whatever I want. That's a, that's a carnal, that's called a carnal Christian. And the last kind is the kind that Jesus talks about where he says, narrow is the road and small the gate that leads to life and few will find it. They're the people that are passionate, that are on fire, that are sold out, that have given their whole lives for the sake of the kingdom of God. And my goal and my desire as a, a leader and as an example is to bring each and every one of you to that point where you understand the life that is available, the good news that you can be free, that you can be forgiven, that you can have peace and joy and hope and strength and comfort and all of the things that God offers through the cross because of the forgiveness. Um, so I know that this is my opportunity because it's, it's, it's Easter But I want you to understand, or it's Resurrection Day. It's the day we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but it is not a joke. You know, I am talking about life and death, I'm talking about eternity, I'm talking about heaven, which Jesus and I have talked a lot about heaven lately. (laughs) I'm super excited to go there. Heaven is real. Whether, whether we acknowledge it or not, it is a reality. And the Bible talks about heaven so much. And it is going to be so much more incredible than any of us could even fathom. And that's the promise that Jesus holds out for us, is that we can be united with him again in heaven. Conversely, there is also a real hell, which have you... You know that feeling when you do something that you really regret? You're like, oh, why did I do that? That feeling of guilt, you know, when you know you're guilty. Imagine that Jesus offered to pay for the price for all of it so that you could be completely forgiven, that you could be completely set free and delivered. Yeah, sign me up, right? But it isn't a joke. I mean, I think, you know, they're, especially like in movies um, and on TV, you know, the, the Christians, the followers of Christ are always mocked. You know, they're always the idiots, they're always the stupid ones, right? Very rarely are, are Christians portrayed as, as being like Jesus, which is unfortunate because that's really what we're supposed to be like. We're supposed to look like Jesus. We're supposed to be loving like Jesus. We're supposed to be kind and forgiving and gracious and compassionate and comforters for people. Um, You know, there are all kinds of theories about the resurrection throughout the years, throughout history. So many people have tried to explain away how this is not true, that the resurrection never took place. There's the swoon theory and the hallucination theory, which states that, Over 500 people had the same hallucination at the same time. Yeah. Also, there's the fraud theory. There's a claim that that they stole his body and just claimed that he he was raised from the dead. But there are so many witnesses that actually saw him. And the resurrection is historically accurate. So I want to challenge you, if, if you're a doubter or if you don't really believe in the resurrection, please try to disprove it. Because you will be the first one in the history to do so. Many people start down that road trying to disprove the resurrection only to say, I can't disprove it. So, that is the reality of the resurrection. And that is why we celebrate today. Because we believe that, I think Laura said it, you know, Jesus died on the cross. He was sacrificed for our sins. He paid the penalty for our sins. He was god Almighty, who came in human form and sacrificed himself so that we could be set free, so that we could be forgiven. Amen? And yet, the Bible says in Psalm 14:1, the fool says in his heart, There is no God. They are corrupt, they do abominable deeds, and there is no one who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, any who seek after God. They have all turned aside, together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. And I know this, this goes against our sense of what a, a loving God would say. It's an offensive message, but what it's saying is let me just define what sin is. Sin is not being as perfect as God. A sin is something that you do that is not something that God would do. It's falling short. So in theory, well, no, in reality, every single one of us is a sinner. Okay, can you can you admit, have any of you ever sinned in your entire life? How many of you just sinned like within the last hour? <laughs> you know, it's, it's, we don't want to have to admit that. But, but let me just make this easier for you. So have you ever lied? You ever told a lie? Anybody? Okay. Um, have you ever wanted to sleep with someone that you weren't married to? Okay, have you ever... Um, don't say that too loud. Your wife's right next to you. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever wished that you had something that belonged to someone else? Yeah? Have you ever uh, worshipped something more than you worship God? Yeah? Have you ever um, been angry? Come on. <laughs> Anybody never been angry? I really want to meet you. I want to ask you how. Because <laughs> Jesus says that if you're angry, that's having the sin of murder. Okay, So so I mean... It, it levels a playing field. All of us are sinners. Every single person sins. Otherwise, Jesus, I mean, Jesus went to the cross so that we could be set free from our sins. And so when it's saying here, it's saying the fool says in his heart there is no God. It, what, they're ta- what this is talking about is someone who refuses to acknowledge a, a higher power. It's someone who's saying there's no God. And I think, well, I just want to ask you a question when you die and you know death is as natural as birth we are all going to die when you die are you going to heaven you know when most people are asked this question they're asked and they say um i hope so or i'm trying or, yeah, I'm pretty sure. This is not a joke. This is serious business. We are talking about eternity. And, and the thing is, when you ask people, and they say, yeah, I, I think I'm going to heaven. And, and when you follow up with the question, well, why? Why are you going to heaven? And what is always the answer? Anybody? I'm a good person. Right? Right? Isn't that always the answer? So let me ask you this. Compared to whom? You know, you could always find somebody more wicked than you. That's pretty, you know, that's kind of, except for one person on the face of the earth can't. There's, there's one evilest person on the earth. But, you know, we compare ourselves to Hitler, or we compare ourselves, you know, to, to the school shooters, or we compare ourselves to people that are evil. And we think, Relatively speaking, I'm pretty good, right? It's it's true. But the one that we should be comparing ourselves to is Jesus. Are you good enough? Are you good enough to go to heaven when you compare yourself to Jesus who never, ever, 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 ever sinned, even though he was tempted in every way? The Bible says in the same way that we've been tempted Jesus is the one and only human being, God in flesh, that we can compare. Otherwise, it says the, Bible, the Bible says it's foolish. And I know this message is hard to hear. But it's, it's the message that Jesus brought. And he would say, when he spoke to the crowds, he'd say, Hey, I know some of you aren't going to accept this. I don't think he said it like, I don't think you're going to accept I think he was like, I I know some of you aren't going to believe this, but if you have ears, please hear this. There is a way to be saved. There is a way to be set free and forgiven. And Jesus came to offer that, and he was like, if you have ears, please hear, hear. And so this is really Jesus' idea. And I know that it goes against us because we're thinking he's meek and mild and forgiving and loving Jesus, which he is. But he also understands the human heart, and the the road to life is narrow, and few will find it. You know, and the thing is, as a Christian, I think we are always challenged by... Atheists or, or people maybe that are even seeking, and they say, well, if you can prove the existence of God, then I will believe. But here's my challenge. I, I got this from a guy named David Berlinsky. He's an atheist, and he wrote a book called The Devil's Delusion, Atheism and Its Scientific Pretensions. It's a little heady, <clears throat> but try to stay with me on this. Um, he says, has anyone ever provided proof of God's in-existence? Not even close. Has quantum cosmology explained the emergence of the universe or why it is here? Not even close. Have our sciences explained why our universe seems to be fine tuned to allow for the existence of life? Not even close. Are physicists and biologists willing to believe in anything so long as it is not religious thought? Close enough. Has rationalism and moral thought provided us with an understanding of what is good, what is right, and what is moral? Not close enough. Has secularism in the terrible 20th century been a force for good? Not even close to being close. Is there a narrow and oppressive orthodoxy in the sciences? Close enough. Does anything in the sciences or their philosophy justify the claim that religious belief is irrational? not even in the ballpark, is scientific atheism a frivolous exercise in intellectual contempt? Dead on. You see, the thing is, God is a creator of the heavens and the earth. He created everything with a word. And he understands science. (laughs) He gets it. He created it. But somehow, human beings... In their, in their arrogance, think that, oh, well, you can't believe in God. You can't have faith if you believe in science. Y- yes, you can, because science will ultimately prove the existence of God. And also the questions that are brought up. I have a degree in philosophy, so I, I've learned to ask a lot of questions. But philosophy just asks more questions. It, it really doesn't answer anything. But the Bible answers everything, which is so cool. Before I became a Christian, I had all of these questions. And and some of the questions that philosophy asks and science cannot answer are what is love? How can you explain love? How can you explain compassion? How can you explain the the things, how can you explain um, morality? See, you can't explain those things scientifically. It's not like this chemical reaction. And Stephen Hawking, who was a renowned atheist, even said he had to admit, you know what, atheism cannot provide rationalism for um, infanticide, which means killing babies, killing little children. He said, we can't explain that morally. Atheism cannot explain it. But I want to say the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the fact that he came to seek and to save the lost and to, and to bring sinners into his kingdom. Not people that don't ever sin again. That's not how that works. But people who are forgiven. And I want to ask you a question. I want you to be bold. If if the resurrection did not take place, how much different would your life be? Okay, so I want to ask you this question. The, before I ask you to raise your hand. If if the resurrection of Jesus Christ did not take place, well, how different would your life look than it does right now? And I want to ask you, On that scale of those different levels of Christians, how many of you, and I want you to be bold, I want you to raise your hand, are you someone who is passionately in love with Jesus and in love with his word and you know that you are desperate without him and your entire life is revolved around him and his kingdom and thinking about him and he is your best friend and you have given your entire life for him? How many of you are there? Because I, I, want, I want, my goal today is that every single one of us would be passionate for the kingdom of God. That if the resurrection didn't take place, our lives would look completely different. Because he is offering us that hope. He is wooing us with his everlasting love. But he also says, if you're not willing to lose everything for the sake of my name, you're not worthy of me. how do we reconcile this you look around at the changed lives you look around at people that you know whose lives are radically transformed by the holy spirit and by the power of the resurrection there's a there's a little formula called the romans road and this 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 is the good news it starts out kind of dark Romans 3.23, we just talked about this. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every single person has fallen short of God's glory. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the death it's talking about is a spiritual death. Romans 5.8 says, but God shows his love for us In that, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Woo! Yes! When I first came to the Lord, I was so hopeless and broken and desperate and in pain and messed up. I mean, I was exceedingly dishonest i i stole i was a drug dealer i was promiscuous i was a hypocrite because on one side i looked like this this college student who you know was studying and getting you know graduating with honors and everything but on the other side i had this dark side that was so broken So devastated, and in the dark of the night, I was so hopeless. But then, when I saw, when I understood that I could be forgiven, when Jesus revealed himself and his forgiveness to me, it radically transformed my life. I would like to say that happened overnight. It definitely, it took took a series of, of things to happen in my life. But I can tell you now, I am absolutely convinced of the transforming power of God because of the resurrection. Because Jesus Christ died for my sins and for your sins. And all he's saying is, I just want you to believe. I want you to believe me that I did this for you. It says, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And this goes on and it says, you know, very rarely will someone die for a righteous man. Very rarely. It might happen, but very rarely will anyone die for anyone else. I mean, I think a lot of parents would say they probably would die for their children, right? Am I right about that? But how many of you, be honest with me now, how many of you can say you would die for another person? Okay, how many of you would have died for Billy Graham? How many of you would have died for Mother Teresa? Okay, I'm not putting myself in the same camp here, but how many of you would die for me? Because I can tell you, I wouldn't die for you. (laughs) I love you all, but I wouldn't die for you. It's like, sorry. I would like to say that I would, but I'm being honest. But even while we were yet sinners, even while we were like those who were beating Jesus and ripping out his beard and spitting on him and calling him names and mocking him, we like to think, oh, I would have never done that. Maybe not exactly that, but all have sinned. We have all sinned. But the hope is that even while we were sinners, he died for us. And it says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, i.e. the resurrection, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. What saved means is saved from that life of darkness and suffering, and where it says that there will be weeping. You will hear the groans and the cries of people who are suffering and complete separation from God and anything that is good. And I am so sorry if, if this goes against what you want to believe. I know a lot of people don't want to believe that a good God would send people to hell, and you're absolutely right. A good God would not send anyone to hell. You will send yourself there if you do not believe. But the good news is that While we were yet sinners, he died for us, and that if we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, if we believe in the resurrection, and we believe that he is not just this kind of good teacher and kind of a good prophet and... And, and maybe like the one who's going to save me from hell, but you know, I don't really want to have much to do with him. If we believe that he is Lord of our lives, that he is in the driver's seat of our lives, that he is in control and he is sovereign. If we believe that, it says we will be saved. Come on. Woo. <laughs> but you notice it doesn't say by our works, we will be saved. It doesn't say that if you do enough good stuff, then you'll be saved or if you're nice enough. I mean, the reality of it is, we could go for the rest of our lives and do only good things and never sin again, and that still isn't enough. It says that our righteousness, as good as we can be, is like filthy rags, i.e. menstrual cloths. Menstrual cloths. It's disgusting. That's as good as we can be apart from him. But the good news is that he loved us so much, that he was willing to suffer and to die for us. And that is the good news. The resurrection is all about good news. And it says, yeah, you can applaud the Lord. First Peter 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again. This means born of his spirit. This means no longer dead in your sins. This means alive by his spirit. It says he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It's saying that we can go from death to life when we believe. That's all he's asking us to do. He didn't say to me, Jody, you need to get your act together before I'm going to accept you. He looked at me as messed up as I was, as confused and, and disturbed and demented. And he said, I love you. And he sang the same to you. Because whether or not you respond, you've seen it at all the football games, right? God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son That whoever believes will not perish but have everlasting life. And it's not just life in the hereafter. This is life, life now. That you can go through trials and tragedies and pain and suffering and you will still have a sense of peace and a sense of hope. My husband died two years ago and I don't know how people go through these trials without the lord because he was so near to my broken heart and he wants to be so near to your broken heart. He is near to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. It says he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. That's our loving God. That this is the God who while he was on the cross, even after those guys did all those things to him, spit on him and mocked him and beat him and whipped him to the point where people couldn't even recognize him. He was beaten so badly within an inch of his life, except that then he had to go to the cross. And the term excruciating comes from the word cross, the crux, the the crucifixion. It was the most brutal form of death because essentially they suffocate. And he did that because he loves you so much. He was willing to do that. He was willing to carry all of your regrets, all of your guilt, all of your shame, all of your pain, all of your sins. He was willing to do that because of his great love for us. And that is good news. That is good news. <clears throat> yeah, you can applaud the Lord. That's, <laughs> that's why we're here. <clears throat> In John 3, chapter 3, Jesus answered. This is a religious leader that came to Jesus, and he's like, something different about you, Jesus. What is it about you? And he, he he was just really, his name was Nicodemus, and he was questioning. And this is in the middle of the night. He had to sneak out, because Jesus did not have a good reputation among the religious leaders, because he called them out on their stuff. He called them out on their judgmentalism. He called them out on their arrogance. called them out on their own sinfulness. They were the only people that Jesus ever kind of exposed. You know, the sinners, the the down and outers, the humble, those were the ones Jesus went and hung out with and accepted. But anyway, Jesus says to him, he says, truly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You must be born again in order to see the kingdom of God, born of the spirit of the living God. And in John 11... A sinful woman came to Jesus. And this is what he said to her. He said, I am the resurrection. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. The resurrecting king is resurrecting me. The resurrecting king is resurrecting you if you believe. And it says, he who believes in me will live even though he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me we'll never die do you believe this do you believe this do you believe that jesus loved you so much that he went to the cross and suffered for you so that you could be free so that you could be born again, so that you could have eternal life? Because he did. That's the good news. That's what gospel means. Gospel means good news. The good news is not, oh, you have to work really hard and do everything perfectly and you can never make any mistakes. That's not good news to me because I don't know about you, but I've known me most of my life. And I know that I I am a sinner. I don't want to sin, but I do. And And the thing is, Unless you are born again, you are, on, you are seated on the throne of your own life. And it's all about me. Me. What's good for me? What's comfortable for me? What's, and Jesus says that unless you die to that, die to your own life, your own agenda, your own plans, you can't see his kingdom. And his desire is that we will see his kingdom. He longs for that. He longs to pour life out so that we can receive that and live and be free. And I have to tell you, because of the cross, my life is radically transformed. When I go back to my class reunions, uh, it's just, it's like they'll start telling a story about who I used to be, and I'll be like, no. She died a long time ago. (laughs) You know, it's embarrassing. They'll start bringing up some horrible thing that I did in my former life. You know, I'm I'm not trying to say like I'm some kind of VIP sinner. You know, I'm not like, you know. But I'm just trying to say that I am so convinced that he is real and he is alive in me. And the more and more that I know him, the more that I know that he wants to bring deliverance and freedom and healing to each and every person on the face of this earth. He wants to save us. It says his desire is that all would come to repentance and a knowledge of truth. Repentance just means you change your mind. The Bible says that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in us. And because of the cross, we can have joy and hope and life and strength and peace. We can have all these things. This is what he has offered to us on the cross